You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Super Bowl 55 Friday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and it is Friday, and we are just a couple days away from Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Kansas City Chiefs in the 2021 Super Bowl. Pretty amazing, to be honest with you, that the NFL has gotten to a Super Bowl on time with all the regular season and, and playoff games played pretty pretty close to to regularly scheduled you know in the uh, in in a pandemic environment where there have been very few fans at games all the testing that's gone on all of the uh, the accommodations that that teams in the league and everyone has had to make throughout the year pretty amazing Give the NFL a lot of credit for for getting through the 2020 season and, and getting to this point uh, in this in the the NFL season, getting to the Super Bowl on time. And, and you know, let's let's just turn forward to to Sunday's matchup. Terrific matchup between the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Tom Brady, who's taken the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl in his first year after deciding to to leave the New England Patriots after the glorious career that he had there, the uh, the NFL really couldn't have asked for for a better Super Bowl matchup to to end this season. And obviously, you know, Giants fans, your your team is not involved here. Your team's season ended, you know, weeks and weeks ago at the end of the regular season. But uh, it's been an interesting week, you know, for the Giants and Giants fans nonetheless. Giants have, uh, you know, a little bit of a rooting interest on both sides here with Jason Pierre-Paul as a key member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've written a lot this week about Jason Pierre-Paul, about his uh, his return to glory pretty much, about his... Uh, his journey to this point in his NFL career. Hope that you had a chance to uh, to read the uh, the story that we that we wrote earlier in the week at Big Blue View about JPP. If you haven't, you know, stop by the site and and please check that out. Uh, and I hope you would you enjoy that as well. On the other side, of course, Steve Spagnolo, former Giants defensive coordinator, is Chiefs defensive coordinator. Giants uh also the, the Chiefs also have Dave Merritt, former Giants secondary coach, who teamed with Spagnolo in New York as their secondary coach. 
and Sam Madison, who played with the Giants as assistant to to merit, you know, coaching the the Chiefs secondary. So the Giants, so the uh, so Giants fans, you know, have a little bit of a rooting interest on both sides. If you want to go that far, also Mike Rimmers, who played a year for the Giants, is on the Chiefs roster, and of course DeAndre Baker, who the Giants let go. You know, after all of his legal troubles, um, is uh, is part of the Chiefs. Uh, won't play on Sunday because he's on injured reserve. But he also technically uh, would qualify for a Super Bowl ring if the Chiefs happen to happen to win on Sunday. So rooting interest on both sides. And and you know, I I had the opportunity to uh, to listen in on a few of the the Super Bowl Zoom calls this week. And I have to say that that a, a former Giant for me has really been the star of Super Bowl week. OCU Manura, former Giants defensive end, has been popping in on on Zoom calls with JPP, with uh, with Spagnola, with Tom Brady throughout the week, and uh, and JP and and OC has has provided some of some of the week's uh, more memorable highlights. Uh, you know, speaking to uh, to those folks. All right, Giants fans, what we're going to do today is I'm, I'm fortunate to be joined by Pete Sweeney of SB Nation's Chiefs website, Arrowhead Pride, and David Harrison, a contributor for SB Nation's Buccaneers site, which is Bucks Nation. Hopefully you've been checking out coverage from both of those sites all week to uh to keep you uh, up to date on on how Chiefs and Buccaneers fans are feeling, you know, heading up to uh, to Sunday's game. What I'm going to do right now is play interviews for you that I did earlier in the week with Pete Sweeney and David Harrison. First up, we're going to hear from Pete Sweeney of the SB Nation site Arrowhead Pride. All right, Giants fans, it is Super Bowl week. We're just a couple days away from the Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl matchup. And, uh, you know, here to help me uh, as, as we talk about the uh, the Super Bowl is Pete Sweeney, producer of SB Nation's Kansas City Chiefs blog, Arrowhead Pride. And, and Pete is also a member of the crew at the SB Nation NFL Show podcast. Pete, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to to be on with you, Ed. Hey, Pete, I, I I didn't tell you when I when I asked you to come on, but this is really an ambush. <laughs> All right, this is really an ambush because I I brought you on to have you thank the Giants for giving you Steve Spagnola, Dave Merritt, Sam Madison, and for failing twice to sign <laughs> Teran Matthew. So I brought you in here just 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 to thank the Giants for all of that. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you, Giants. I, I know you threw Steve Spagnuolo aside when he was your interim guy. And from Spagnuolo, we've got Madison and Merritt. And they're probably not talked about enough when it comes to some of these young pieces in the secondary that are playing well for the Chiefs. I mean, Tyron Matthew came as advertised. But when you talk about some of the younger players, the lesser-known players nationally, like a Legarius Senior or Traverius Ward, these guys are doing a really good job, and it starts with Spagnuolo, who I think at heart is a, a secondary type of guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, you know, it, it's really difficult 
you know, from the Giants' perspective, not to feel really good for Steve Spagnuolo. I've always yeah. thought he was he was a a really good guy and a really good coach. And going back to his first run with the Giants with the 2007 Super Bowl, I've always thought that he was a guy, if you look at his resume, there's some failure on it, but I've always thought he was a guy who, if you give him talent, if you give him good players, he knows what to do with them. And I don't know if if he gets enough credit in Kansas City. You know what's funny? And I think probably it's more so now looking back as people remember the history. But when you talk about 18 and one and the one in 18 and one, Spags gets a lot of the credit and deservedly so about that. And it has spilled in a sense to this year's Super Bowl because unbelievably it's the same quarterback once again. And so they're having to talk about that early Super Bowl where they went at it and Spags got the best of Tom Brady. And of course now it's a younger and different cast of characters, but it's been fun. And there have been some giant ties all week with OC Minora dropping in on Jason Pierre Paul's uh, press conference and also Spagnolo's and Spagnolo's getting all excited. Yesterday, Minora said something to the extent of, you, know, you might have Chris Jones, but it's nothing like Minora and Justin Tuck and so on and so <laughs> forth. So yeah, there are it, there have been because of the Brady Spags connection, definitely some New York Giants ties within the Super Bowl. It it's been interesting, Pete, and I know you've been you've been on some of those uh, Super Bowl media calls this week, as have I. But it's I think OCU Minora is the star of Super Bowl media week. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked a question to Spagnolo after me. And Spagnola wasn't as smiley with my answer. I mean, we have a nice relationship from the beat on Kansas, in Kansas City, but it's a, it's a very professional relationship. We're not friends by any means. And you and Yura comes on, and Spagnolo just starts beaming. And I'm like, this is the guy. I, I'm actually thrilled that he went after me instead of before me because I certainly would have been able to follow it up. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I was on the Jason Pierre-Paul call the other day when uh, when Hugh and Yura popped in there. And they started singing together. <laughs> like, you guys have to be kidding me. It's had to have been a thing that dated back to their Giants days where they must have used to sing in a practice and, and whatever. But uh, I, I do sometimes get a little bit of, of jealousy toward that when I'm trying to cover these guys. Because you can tell that the ex-players can get a little bit more from these guys because there's just more respect. And that's built in, and, and you expect that. But there is... Certainly that fraternity of you've played, you've coached, okay, I'm going to give you my best possible self in this answer. Yeah, there is. And, and you know, you and I, the way, the way I guess I've always reconciled that is at least I have a seat at the table. Right, of course. And it's, and it's great. And it's been fun here in Kansas City really over the past two seasons watching this team. A lot of winning, a lot of good defense after some bad defense in 2018. And, and Spagnuolo really changed that. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, I was going to ask you, this is this is quite a time to be a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I know that there were a lot of bad years before that, but I mean, I mean, what is this like to be, you know, for, for you guys to to be at the at the top of the mountain like this, you know, a couple years in a row, and I think you were in yeah. the AFC championship game, you know, the, the year before that. This is uh, this is quite a good time to be to be rooting for Kansas City, isn't it? 
It is. And Ed, I, I joined up onto the Chiefs beat in 14. And so I was working for Chiefs.com, as I've told you off air, and then jump, made the jump, I believe, to Arrowhead Pride, either 16 or 17. But I've seen the progression where, first of all, you know, when you go before 2013, it was a really, really bad time for the Kansas City Chiefs and the organization's fans. And Andy Reid arrives in 13. And then, as Giants fans know well, he started to do the Eagles thing and the Eagles project progression where first they make the playoffs and everyone was so excited about that. Then they're consistently making the playoffs. Really, really excited. Great time. It's a, it's a Kansas City is a football town, so you know they're loving it. And then the years start to go together and they're losing quite consistently in either the wild card or the divisional round. And you know, people can get tired of that too. And, and there were the questions that we saw in Philadelphia with, is Andy Reid ever going to be able to do this? And then they draft the quarterback. And that changed the entire, I think, organization. It changed the city. It changed the course of the franchise, where it was and where it's going. And they get to that AFC title game, some heartbreak to Tom Brady there. And since then, it's just been like men on a mission. And I think for Andy Reid and and some of the successful quarterbacks that he's had, and we know about Donovan McNabb, of course, and Michael Vick in Philly, but also Alex Smith. Those guys were good, but I think he's been waiting for this quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, this level of quarterback for the entire 20 years that he's been coaching. And you can see he's taking full advantage of it with the creativity and being able, I think, over the age of 60 to stick with the times and adjust to the NFL and sometimes set the tone for what the NFL is going to do with some of the shotgun sets and the motion and the RPOs. It seems like everybody has RPOs built into their systems now. So it's been a, a, a wild progression to watch since 2014. And, and because the quarterback is so young at 25, you don't really see their success stopping anytime soon. I don't know about Andy Reid sometimes. I just think sometimes Reid comes up with things and he puts things into the playbook just just to have fun, just just to get guys, just to keep guys interested. It's like, oh, we're going to do this play yeah. where everybody does like a 360 twirl. And we saw this on a film clip in 1935 and we're going to put this in the game plan. I think he does it just just to just to get a chuckle out of his guys and keep them interested. They've allowed Patrick Mahomes this year with Reed to essentially make his own package. Lewis Riddick of ESPN has nicknamed him the Ferrari, Ferrari Mahomes. And they had this play, it was Ferrari Wright, where Mahomes, the quarterback, is actually motioning as he gets the football. And they ran a couple plays off that. And that has been new this year where they've openly admitted Andy Reid takes ideas. And so he says to guys like Mahomes and Kelsey, some of the leaders on the team, if, if you have an idea, you've worked it out, you've kind of run it a little bit. I'll see it. If it works in practice, maybe we'll put it in the game plan. <laughs> a couple there of you go. Hey. Up. Hey, and then gets last year, too, you saw that the motion play where the entire offense motioned right. And that one was came from a Rose Bowl in like the 1950s that they had found. So <laughs> they saved some stuff for the Super Bowl. So be on the lookout for some some weird and interesting looking plays on this Sunday. Always, always with uh, with Andy Reid. Hey, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. And I have to ask you, you know, back at the time when Mahomes was coming out of the draft, 
Ben McAdoo was the Giants' head coach, and the Giant Eli Manning was was getting a little bit older, and and there was beginning to be talk that the Giants would have to get, uh, you know, that it, that it was closing in on time for the Giants to to draft a, a replacement or an heir to to Eli. And I I watched a lot of Patrick Mahomes leading up to that draft, and I did not see this. I just did not see this player. I saw a a guy who I thought, I mean, man, the guy can make throws, but but you cannot trust him with the ball in his hands. You just can't. You know, when when I watched his, his college film, I mean, did did you see this coming? I knew that if Andy Reid took a quarterback that high that he really saw something in him, especially because at, at the time, Alex Smith was coming off what was the best year of his career. And he had really made Alex Smith, this is pre-injury, into, I wouldn't say maybe a superstar, but certainly an above average star quarterback, maybe a top 10, top 15 guy in the NFL. So you, you're maximizing Alex Smith and you decide to trade up 18 spots to go and get this guy. And so that gave me confidence. I don't think anybody expected him to have the greatest start of any quarterback in NFL history. I think to say that you expected that would be wild. Now, I will say this. The general manager for the Chiefs, Brett Veach, who grew up in Philadelphia as an Andy Reid intern and worked his way up in the early 2000s to now, I mean, right after the pick was made, he called Patrick Mahomes the best player he had ever seen. So maybe my eyes and your eyes aren't as good as his head because I know there were similar question marks surrounding Mahomes. And I, I think a key to this, and, and this is something that I think gets lost in the NFL sometimes, is Mahomes was so fortunate not only to go to Andy Reid, but they traded up 18 spots to number 10. So you're going to the number 28 team that's picking. That team is a playoff team already. You're surrounded by talent. You, know, you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield who goes number one to the Cleveland Browns. Three years later, he's on his third head coach, third offensive system. How is a player supposed to succeed in that? So Mahomes, I think, he is good. He has otherworldly talent. He's probably going to give Tom Brady a run for his money as far as the greatest quarterback of all time if he can stay healthy. But that system and that foundation and getting to sit behind Alex Smith and not be rushed into the limelight and then working with Andy Reid who can keep him grounded and Andy Reid has done it all and he still pushes Patrick Mahomes to improve to this day. A lot went went in, and in a way, I think it became the perfect storm in Kansas City. If Mahomes goes to like an Arizona or a Miami or a Buffalo, are we telling the same story? I don't. I really don't think so. I really don't think so. That that that's a really really excellent point, Pete. I got just a couple more things here for you before I let you go, and it, it's not really a Super Bowl thing, but I have to ask you. I have to ask you for thoughts on. DeAndre Baker, since he was such a controversial figure, you know, here with the Giants and and since his career ended, you know, or I'll just say flamed out as as quickly as it did. have to ask you for a thought on uh, on why the Chiefs brought him in and and what you think they see or or and, and whether whether he has a future with the Chiefs. Yeah, Andy Reid. I think quietly behind all the success has built this reputation for being willing to give guys second chances. And this fell into that. I, you know, I think about Michael Vick, I think about uh, Tyree kill 
in Kansas City. Some of these other players with interesting backgrounds, Frank Clark, another one. And this was a case where I think they they did their their homework. Then he he was, um, I believe, acquitted of all the charges. No no charges came through. And and once he was free of all his legal troubles, uh, the Chiefs brought him in. And you know it's, it it always raises eyebrows. And I think at the very least, you know you know you don't necessarily know what happened. Baker, I'm sure he would admit this. And this is just me talking. And <clears throat> it seems like he knows and has learned that you know he was around the wrong crowd and and he was getting probably his last opportunity in Kansas City and he was only on the practice squad and it seemed as though that there were plans to potentially bring him up for the playoff run when he was ready and then in that final week 17 game he ended up having a fracture the Chiefs from what they have said he's been a good kid he's worked on the football I think he's trying to get his right his his life right and this was something that I actually had an opportunity to ask Tyron Matthew during one of the pressers because Matthew, as everybody knows, when he came out in 13, he had some troubles, was kicked off the LSU team for substance and had to really, I think, write his life. And so it seems as though the organization challenged Matthew to take this guy under his wing, keep him focused. And Matthew really appreciates the opportunity at this stage of his career to be a leader in that regard. And I, I get the feeling the Chiefs are really like him. And because it was a fracture and not one of these like teared Achilles or something like that, I think they intend to keep him in the organization. It seemed like he was having some success, at least in practice here. Sam Madison, the former giant, he had noted that Baker had been going uh, against the top wide receivers in practice one-on-one and holding his own. Didn't call him by name, but you got to assume that that was like a Watkins or a Hill. And I think he's an interesting prospect so long as he keeps his nose clean and so far, he's taken the very first steps in that direction. But you can understand, I guess, given his background, why, why the Giants wanted to move on. And I think sometimes, in a, in a sense, New York can be too much for athletes. And Kansas City might be a perfect location for um, a guy like Baker. You know, it's a, it's a quieter town, certainly. And you're at a, so much of the spotlight. A, a good example of, of someone who I think – benefited from being in Kansas City and maybe not like a big city is Travis Kelsey, who had similar things with him coming out of college. You know, again, very different, you know, not arrested or anything like that. But I think Kansas City, Andy Reid, the organization and the coaches they put in place and then just being in the Midwest and not on a coast, I think sometimes helps with players who might have been in trouble otherwise. All right. Hey, last last thing for you. Uh, Sunday's game. I don't know if you're if you're willing to to go out and, and, and make a pick yet. I don't know if you've done that at Arrowhead Pride or if, if you're saving yeah. that. But but if you're if you're willing, um, go ahead and uh, and make a pick. Let me know how you think uh, how you see the game unfold Quite on honestly, Sunday. I'm still thinking about where I'm going to go with this. Uh, we will have a pick eventually at Arrowhead Pride. I see the Chiefs winning. That I know. I'm, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I just feel like. The Big Chiefs surprise. Are, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Chiefs are – I. you know what's funny, Ed? Real quick, I, I used to tell people, and I always tell people, in the Alex Smith days, there were weeks that I picked against the Chiefs, I promise you. Hasn't been many of those since Patrick Mahomes took over the helm. So I'm picking the Chiefs, and I think it's a situation where they literally are the new version of the New England Patriots in the sense that you really have to play a perfect game to beat them. Not that I, I think the it's impossible. If the Bucks play perfectly, they don't have the drops that they've had in the playoffs and – they get some pressure on the homes and, and so on and so forth. Who knows how this game goes? But I like the Chiefs here. 
And I I think it'll be a pretty good game for the first half, but I, I actually see the Chiefs pulling away maybe by like a 10 or 14 point lead, I think. Uh, end up. But without any wild ending or, or anything like that. I, I just, I saw Tom Brady in the NFC title game in the second half last week, and that is not going to cut it against what to me has become the NFL's powerhouse. Memo to uh, to Bruce Arians and, and and maybe to Sean McDermott as well. You cannot kick field goals <laughs> if you're going to beat that team. Especially Sean McDermott. That was my biggest problem with the AFC title game. It's like he had not looked at the recipe to beat the Chiefs. And by the time he realized he had to be aggressive, which at the end was working, it was just far too late. The Chiefs had already pulled out to a 38-15 lead. So you're you're right. If you're fourth and two, fourth and three, you got to go. You got to go because Patrick Mahomes is going to score. It's typically around 30 points at least. So you got to always be thinking, what do I need to do to get to 30? All right, Pete. Hey, thank you very, very much for, uh, you know, for spending some time with me. Uh, I'm sure you guys have a lot of coverage going on at uh, at Arrowhead Pride, obviously, and, and with the SB Nation NFL show. So, you know, feel free to, to give a quick plug for that here before you before you go. Yeah, if you like the league in general, uh, you can find my show on Monday. We do Monday Football Monday. I'm with Michael Kist and RJ Ochoa, who are two NFC East guys that cover the Eagles and Cowboys respectively. But I try to keep it real with them and and let them know that there are two other teams in the division as well. So please check out the SB Nation NFL channel and arrowheadpride.com if you're looking for AFC coverage throughout the weekend. All right, Pete, thanks, and uh, and, uh, good luck on Sunday. All right, All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and I'm joined by David Harrison of Bucks Nation, which covers the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, David also hosts the uh, the Locked On Bucks podcast over on the Locked On Network, uh, where I was uh, co-host of of Locked On Giants a long time ago with with Patricia Traina. So we appreciate David coming on. David, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I appreciate you having me on and looking forward to having some, uh, some more Super Bowl conversations. Yeah, you know, you uh, you haven't had much much chance to talk Super Bowl this week, have you? <laughs> more opportunities than I can count, but I mean, hey, in, in, in this business, depending on the team you cover, I guess, is, is what you should say. You may not get this opportunity many more times. So uh, having covered the Buccaneers for my entirety uh, in of time in sports media, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it as I can while I look forward to uh, a little bit of downtime at the end of it all. Let me ask you this. Let's start here. You, you know, the Bucks are in the Super Bowl. Obviously, you know, Tom Brady is 43 years old. It's his first year in Tampa Bay. Was this season for you, was it always w- with Brady, was it always Super Bowl or bust? I mean, so it depends on who you talk to, right? And for me personally, no. Like for me, you had to make the playoffs. Like you absolutely had to make the playoffs or else the, the season, the experiment, all of it uh, is going to be called a bust from, from year one. And, you know, obviously you have year two to, to rectify everything, of course, if you want to, but you don't want to have to be in that situation. Um, so making the playoffs was the first step uh, for me. I didn't require a Super Bowl trip or even Super Bowl win to call this whole thing a success for me what the Buccaneers have done from 2019 and 2020, bringing in Tom Brady, adding seven wins to their seven win record last season, literally doubling their win total between uh, in just one year. And then you have a COVID shortened year as far as training camp and mini camps are concerned. So what they've been able to do 
And this year, in my book, they're already a success. However, if you talk to the people inside the organization, especially head coach Bruce Aarons, he says it every year. It doesn't matter what you're coming in, whether you have Tom Brady or not. Every year you come in, and it's Super Bowl or bust. Like That's the reason you're there is to win a ring. So if that's not your goal, if that's not your standard of success, then why are you in the business? So from that aspect, yes, it was Super Bowl or bust. And from many other aspects, it was. For me personally, I didn't hold them, I guess, up against that high of a flame. But, I mean, they rose the occasion, and they're, and they're there. They're in the dance. But you do have to admit that when you when you go out on a limb and you sign Tom Brady and he's 43 years old and and you give him a two year deal, there's there's only one reason that you're doing it. There's only yes, one there's only one end goal that that you're going after, and that's the Super Bowl title. So so the 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 fact that that they're there, I mean, if they don't if they don't at least get there in the two year period that, that then I guess you called it, you know, and they're there, but I guess you would, you would have called the, uh, the Brady move a failure or yeah. some, some oh, people absolutely. would have. Yeah. No, in two years. Yeah. In two years time, if you don't make this in the Super Bowl, I mean, you know, I might give them a little bit more wiggle room in the first year, but in that second year, absolutely. You have to make it to the Super Bowl. You've got another year of, of Tom Brady. You've got time to get the system down. You've got maybe hopefully a full training camp. And all that, and then you have the weapons. I mean, some of them are probably not going to come back, but but a lot of this team, the 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 main nucleus of the talent is going to be back, and you've got another year of draft picks to add to the squad. So yeah, absolutely. In those two years, you had to make a Super Bowl. Um, that's the only way you can justify, like you said, moving on from a young quarterback. Yeah, Jameis, you know, he had his issues, and and those are well documented. But he's a guy that has ten years in his future of development, potentially of getting used to schemes, of getting used to certain coaches. So when you when you give up on ten years of future quarterback play to bring in two years of quarterback play, it's like you said, you're only doing it for one reason. And if you don't accomplish that reason, at least make it to a Super Bowl, absolutely, I would have called it a failure. But fortunately, we're in this situation where that's not going to be the case. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, someone who Giants fans are very very familiar with and who's been a big big part of what's happened in, in Tampa Bay this year. And, and that of course is, is defensive end Jason Pierre Paul. Yeah. And, and before I actually ask you about JPP, I have to say this between his talking to Tom Brady and talking to JPP and, and, and begging Steve Spagnolo, the Kansas city defensive coordinator for advice on, on which team he should root for since he's got former teammates on one team and former coaches on the other. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think OCU Minora has been the star of the week. <laughs> I mean, OC is, is a guy that deserves his own you know level of attention for, for sure. I mean, no matter what side he's rooting for, no matter who he knows is going to win. Uh, on either side of the ball. But I think, I mean, it's a good situation for OC to be in. I mean, no matter what, he's got friends that are about to win a Lombardi trophy, so he can't lose uh, either way. And I actually kind of wrote up a, a something about uh, about that same situation for Tyron Matthew. I mean, on BucksNation.com, granted, he's obviously in the game, so he's got more of an investment in the Kansas City Chiefs. But even if the Chiefs lose, you know, after the dust settles, maybe 48 hours, you know, maybe five days later, he can sit back Tyron Matthew and the connection he has with guys like Leonard Fournette, Bruce Arians, and so many coaches on that Buccaneer side of the field he can sit back after about a week of licking his wounds and appreciate that people he's close to that he considers family are going to be champions. So kind of a no lose situation for both those gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still going to be mad. Come on. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> for the first, you know, like I said, five days, seven days, maybe 10, I think Tyron Matthew, I think you're looking at a five day window where he's going to be upset, angry, disappointed. But then I think on the sixth day, he'll wake up and say, man, Bruce has, has a championship as a head coach, Byron, Todd, 
all those guys, uh, Leonard Fournette, who they went to the same high school, same college, then he can be happy for them. Still upset, you know what I mean? But he can be happy for them in a certain extent. <laughs> right. So I, I have to ask you about Jason Pierre-Paul, though. Yeah. Now, the Giants traded JPP to Tampa Bay three years ago now. Yeah. And I'll be up front. I supported that trade. I right. thought that the contract that the Giants had given Pierre Paul, which was given to him by Jerry Reese, you know, before Dave Gettleman came on board, I thought that the contract was was exorbitant considering the the health issues, the 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 mangled right hand, you know, the fact that that JPP had also even before that he had had some shoulder and some neck and some back injuries and mm-hmm. And there's just no way that I believed that three years later, Jason Pierre-Paul would be playing at the level that he's playing at, you know, much less being in the Super Bowl. But I mean, I mean, are you as amazed as I am that that Jason Pierre-Paul is is doing the things that he's doing? Yeah, absolutely. And then you throw in the the neck injury, the broken neck after, after the car accident. Uh, absolutely, I'm amazed at what he's doing. I mean, when he was brought in, you know, going back to that trade happening, I mean, there were actually a lot of Buccaneers fans who were a little upset that that trade happened. Would rather have used that draft capital to to bring a guy in to develop him. But I think the Buccaneers were looking for a little bit of a talent upgrade, which they obviously got. But then also that leadership, that veteran leadership, it was a very young team, and they needed some more veteran voices in the locker room to kind of help try to get them uh, over the hump or trying to get them to a better place. And at the time, with that franchise, especially with that defense, their penalties were a big, big problem for that unit. So bringing a guy like JPP in who's had, you know, success at the top of the profession, but then also has just kind of been around the game to mature and become that voice in the locker room was huge. And towards the end of the season, when things kind of collapsed for the Buccaneers, um, there were several reports, you know, nothing that I can confirm in person, but several reports that JPP was probably one of the loudest voices in the locker room and trying to get those guys on the right track. And then when they moved and kind of cut some of the dead weight, if you want to call it that moving into the following season, JPP was a big reason. Some of those players, did not return, were not renewed, or were let go outright. It's very interesting, in addition to being amazed by the way that he's playing with you know with the with the physical deformity, you know, coming back from the broken neck. I saw Bruce Arians say earlier this week that that there was a time when the Bucks weren't sure he was actually going to walk, much yeah. less play football. And you know what what I say about all of that is what I've learned about Jason Pierre Paul is he's just a different human being. He's yeah. just not he's just not like us. Right. But the the other part of that is, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough that that I am credentialed by the Giants. I get to I get to go to training camps. I get to be around the players at least somewhat. Yeah. And when Jason Pierre Paul was a young player, Jason Pierre-Paul had a hard time stringing two sentences together when reporters would talk to him. He mm-hmm. was very uncomfortable talking to media. And even as he developed into, you know, a, a Pro Bowl, you know, top-of-the-line player and, and began to to get experience, people, we, we would ask him about being a leader, about about being outspoken about, you know, taking charge of, of the giants defense. Right. And he did not want to, he basically would say, I just play. If people follow how hard I play, they follow. If they don't, they don't. I just play, you know, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but that was his attitude. And 
but this is a different guy. This is yeah. a guy who, this is a guy who maybe because of his life experience, but, but, you know, would you say, I mean, you've got Tom Brady, you've got Gronkowski, but leaders like Jason Pierre Paul, when you win, those guys are important. And, and, and I'm amazed. I'm just amazed by the, by the leader that the guys become. Yeah. I mean, you call them glue guys, right? That's what everybody calls them. You call them glue guys. Usually those guys that get that label, uh, they're maybe a little less talented or a little less productive on the field. That's why they get that label. But JPP is also productive and talented in what he's doing as well. So it just kind of makes that much more uh, more in, impactful. I mean, you go back to the year uh, that, you know, when he, hurt, when he hurt his neck and he missed a, a large chunk of that season, a lot of people said, you know, if it wasn't for that, he'd be wearing a captain's patch. And then coming into this season, a lot of people kind of expected him to get that captaincy. Uh, but the rise of Devin White and his young voice and electricity kind of uh, overshadowed that a little bit. So JPP still not wearing a captain's patch, but believe me, he's as much of a leader in that locker room as much as any captain is. And then you you see him in his media sessions. I, you know, I didn't know young JPP. I only know JPP from when he's arrived to Tampa. And I mean, talk to him in person. He's got the personality and the swagger to back up the talent on the field. And then uh, you get him in a media session. He's, he's pretty entertaining. I mean, uh, he was singing at one point during a Super Bowl media session. So uh, definitely has grown into his own singing. He and he and OC, you know, started, started singing and uh, let's just say neither one of them can carry a tune. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head. I think, you know, if you, if you ask them about that specific situation, I mean, I think the life experiences and, you know, losing the games, I mean, just as much as everybody on the outside says, oh man, you know, you did this to your hand, no way you're going to come back at least at the, at the level you used to be, you know, those thoughts are going through his head too. And then the broken neck, same thing. And then being traded, you know, I mean, those thoughts go through his head as much as they go through everybody else. Does he just, it has to be the guy uh, to put it all on the back burner. So it doesn't impact his play on the field. But I think that as you get older and, you know, you, you kind of get to the position where you might lose the profession you love. Yeah, you, you learn to appreciate it a little bit more. And then when you see maybe some younger guys or even some veterans who maybe don't appreciate it as much, it makes you a little bit more vocal than you used to be. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, age, experience and maturity has definitely taken hold and uh, turned him into a pretty influential part of a Super Bowl team. All right. I have to ask you, you know, the Giants were had the number four overall pick in the draft. They had their pick of the litter when it came to the four offensive tackles who were the top of the class. The Buccaneers got the leftovers. (laughs) They, they got, they got, they got the the fourth guy taken. They got the one guy out of the big four, Uh you know, who, who was left on the board for them. Um, Is there anybody in Tampa Bay complaining about, about, uh, about getting leftovers in the draft? Absolutely not. No, Tristan Wirfs has been a, a godsend to this team, to the offensive line, and to, to Tom Brady. And honestly, Andrew Thomas was the guy that everybody thought was going to Tampa. I mean, he's the guy that, you know, I'm not I'm not a, a draft expert like, you know, the, the Mike Mayox of the world and stuff like that. But he was my fourth offensive tackle out of that group. He was the last guy, in, in my opinion, in that group. And I know a lot of other people kind of shared that same sentiment. So it wasn't a surprise when the Giants went uh, with the offensive lineman, but it was a little bit of a surprise when they went with that offensive lineman. And when that happened, you know, you kind of realize as somebody who covers the Buccaneers or as a Buccaneers fan, you kind of said, hey, wait a second. One of those top three guys now may be on the board when it comes time for the Buccaneers to pick. And then they execute that trade to make sure nobody jumps up in front of them with San Francisco and they get their guy. And I mean, just from day one, uh, he's, he's been an amazing addition to that team and uh, near perfect, not quite perfect, but a near perfect addition to that offensive line. I assume that 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 he's the guy kind of that that Tampa Bay would have really wanted, you know, initially if they could have, you know, if they could have drawn it up and, and, and had it go the way they wanted it to go. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that he was definitely he was either one or two on their board. I don't have the confirmation of where exactly it was, but I can I can say confidently that he was one or two on their board. Jedrick Wills may have been number one. I think he was number one in a lot of people's minds. Uh, but I think uh, you know, their revisionist history. They're never they're never going to look back and say, well, maybe you would have taken somebody else if they had the chance to do it over again. They'd absolutely bring no, Wills under the no, squad. David, every draft pick that's ever been made is absolutely the guy that that was targeted, whether he's the first <laughs> pick or the 233rd. We targeted him for the 233rd pick for the last six weeks. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So every every draft picks the guy that the guy that that whatever franchise took him absolutely wanted. So so yeah, but but hey, let me also ask you. And, and you're not focused on the offseason at this point. You know, as as a Giants guy, you know, the season ended weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Right. You know, so we've been focused on the offseason and, and, and the 2021 season for a while now. And and and, and that means you know, the first step in all of that is free agency. Mm-hmm. And I I need to ask you about the one guy when I look at Tampa Bay's list of free agents, the one guy who I look at and think, you know, if the Giants are really going to target a guy off Tampa Bay's roster, it, it's got to be Chris Godwin. Yeah. And the, I saw Godwin's comments this week about not really being sure he he wanted to leave Mike Evans and and maybe not even being sure he'd want to leave, you know, Bruce Arians or or Tom Brady. And I wouldn't blame him for any of that. Right. But, you know, my, my question is how it's twofold. How badly do you think the Bucks want to keep Godwin in Tampa Bay? And if he was to land in a place like New York with the Giants, is he a guy who can be a number one receiver on his own? Yeah, I think he absolutely has the talent to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, that I can answer that without question. Um, some of the issues that you're going to run into are injuries. You know, you hate to, to say injury prone, uh, but he has had a, his fair share of injuries over the years. Some of them are kind of isolated fluke injuries, like the broken finger that he suffered against the Las Vegas Raiders. That's more of kind of just, you know, the things happen from, from time to time. Um, and I wouldn't say he's got, you know, weak hamstrings or a weak ACL or anything like that, but he does have his own string of injuries that you have to be worried about. But I mean, talent wise, yeah, he's, he's proven time and time again that he can definitely play uh, that number one uh, role for, for a team. He can play outside, he can play in the slot, he can play on either side of the field. He's comfortable in press, he's comfortable in zone. Uh, literally a guy that can do everything you want him to do. Um, doesn't have the speed of a Tyreek Hill, but he's not a slow guy either. Um, the, the thing about looking for him as a free agent target, Bruce Arians has already said Chris Godwin's not going anywhere. And, you know, uh, obviously we're, we're very early in into this discussion and the Buccaneers haven't even reached their offseason yet, however. Um, but I've already kind of formed my own stipulation. I think that the Buccaneers are are likely to extend Lamonte David, probably a three- or four-year deal. Uh, they're going to probably franchise tag Chris Godwin. I think Shaquille Barrett is going to be allowed uh, to leave in free agency and go find his payday somewhere that he's you know, he's obviously deserved. Yeah, Barrett's another one that that might interest the Giants, but but I have my doubts that, that the Giants would go that way, although they could use the pass rusher. I think they're going to spend a lot of money on keeping Leonard Williams, and I, 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 I doubt personally – that they would spend extravagantly on the, on an edge position, you know, after they've already spent on Leonard Williams, especially in a year when the cap goes down, but you know, can't, can't you just 
have Bruce Arians be be nice to the Giants after you know he's getting his Super Bowl this time around. You know, come on, Bruce, don't hoard don't hoard all the Super Bowls and all the players. Come on, <laughs> so you know, just just tell him to be nice to the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would be clamoring uh, to go after Chris Godwin. You know, I know uh, at least three teams just in 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 the NFC East alone would be would be prime target spots for uh, for Chris Godwin. I mean, honestly, though, Chris is, I mean, he's from the Delaware area, went to Penn State University. So, I mean, he may have he may have his eyes on a different NFC East team if he gets the opportunity to uh, to hit free agency. No, no, he can't go to he can't he can't go to those teams. <laughs> can't go to those teams. Dallas, forget Dallas, but yeah. but, but he, he he can't go to those other teams. You know, D- Daniel Jones is the one who needs the help, so he can't he can't go to those other teams. He definitely needs some help. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, appreciate that. Let me ask you. You know, the, the last thing for you here, and I don't know if. I don't know if you're saving your game pick for for Bucks Nation or if you've made your game pick already or if you're if you're even willing to to make your pick for Sunday. But if you are, um, you know, I I, I want to hear your pick if you're willing to make it. And and even if you're not, just you know, how do you see the game sort of unfolding? And and what do you think are the the sort of sort of key things to look for? Yeah, my pick has been out there actually on the on the internet since Sunday. Um, so on BucksNation.com, we always make our, our bowl predictions. We usually do them in a group uh, column, but this week because of the Super Bowl, we're, we're releasing them one at a time. I was the first one, so mine went out Sunday, and I predicted the Buccaneers, Buccaneers to win 42 to 38. And I kind of look at it like this: um, I honestly don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I think either team could win. So when I don't know who's going to win, I kind of default to the team I know better, which is obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's why I kind of picked them there. All offseason, I've been saying the first team to 30 is going to win these games, and so far I've been right. The first team to win to, to 30 in every Buccaneers playoff game has won that game. This one, I'm kind of looking at the first team to 40 is going to win this game, and, and I look at it like this. If it's a low-scoring affair, if the Buccaneers don't put up a lot of points, it's not going to be so much because of the Kansas City Chiefs' defense. It's going to be more because that Buccaneers offense comes out slow and just can't get things going, and unfortunately we've seen that happen at times throughout the season. So that is a that is a possibility that could happen on Sunday. Um, in that case, I think the Kansas City Chiefs come away with the win. If so, if that's the case, the Buccaneers have to win in a shootout. I'm not brazen enough or bold enough to say that they're going to blow away the Kansas City Chiefs. So, if that's going to happen, it's got to be a high-scoring affair. It's got to be a tight one. Buccaneers, 42 to 38. Listen, I do have I do have one bit of advice for Bruce uh-huh. Arians, <laughs> and, and and feel free to pass this along. Pass along the link to the podcast to Bruce. Whatever. Do not kick field goals, Bruce. Yeah, Do I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think Bruce is going to. I mean, unless he's just in a situation that he has to, he doesn't have a choice. Bruce is definitely going to be looking to uh, to risk it for the biscuit, as he likes to say. I I love that phrase, risk it. You know, no, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, it's one of my right. favorites. <laughs> right, I, I I love that. That's 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 good stuff. And and you know, there are uh, there are a couple of of coaches who got eliminated a couple of weeks ago who who really. You know, they, they should have had that written down on their play cards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, Bruce Aaron decided to go for it on on a third down, a long play, um, kind of outside of field goal range. Instead of trying to get more yards for the field goal, they went for the touchdown at the end of the first half against Green Bay Packers. They put seven points on the board in a five-point win. So, I mean, you know, that, that mentality, it's it's there for a reason. All right, David. Hey, appreciate your spending some time with me today. Why don't you uh, just tell folks, uh, you know, where they where they can find your where they can find your work, and uh, you know what you guys might uh, might have coming up at Bucks Nation the last couple of days before the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, so all my written work is at SB Nation at BucksNation.com. And, and yeah, we're just uh, deep diving into all the press conferences, all the media uh, breakouts and just quotes on quotes on quotes and questions and questions. Uh, James Yarko and I are over there in those Zoom conferences as much as we can, getting as much information out of both sides of this game as we can as well. And then both James and I also co-host the Locked On Bucks podcast five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. Thank you very, very much. And, and good luck on Sunday. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Giants fans. Our thanks to to Pete Sweeney and David Harrison for for joining the show. Let me give you my Super Bowl pick before we uh, we wrap it up today. Uh, you know, it's I've I've said for years that that it's really really hard for me to pick against Tom Brady, but uh, in this case I I have to. I simply I've said it before during the week. I said it when I talked to Otis Anderson last week. Um, I just cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. The way that uh, you know, with with Mahomes really, you know, doing the things that he's done over the past two or three years with Andy Reid, with the Chiefs scoring 30, 35 points, a lot of times more than that, seemingly at will, able to score in such a hurry. I just can't pick against Kansas City in this spot. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if if Tom Brady has more magic in store for us. I mean, it's been an amazing ride for Brady. Amazing that he's taken the Buccaneers to to this point. And, and I I never put anything past Brady, but I look at at this game and and the question that that nags in the back of my mind is if the Chiefs get started, if they if they get that offense rolling, can the Buccaneers keep up? And, and and I look at Mahomes, and I think Mahomes is at the height of, of his powers. And, and and Brady is still 43 years old. He's still great. But I just think that this is really Mahomes' time. This is his time to be the dominant figure in the sport. It's Kansas City's time to be the dominant team in the sport. I'm a little bit worried about the fact that Kansas City's offensive line is beat up, missing both of its offensive tackles. But that's not enough to make me pick against the Chiefs in this spot. So I'm going to go with Kansas City. Um, hopefully on Sunday we will have for you picks from the entire Big Blue View staff for Sunday's game. So look forward to seeing those. Please check out the uh, the story that we did on JPP at Big Blue View. Check out the story that we did on the relationship between Steve Spagnolo and Dave Merritt. You know, if you're looking for some Giants-related content as you uh, as you wait for for Sunday evening's kickoff. All right, Giants fans, thank you very very much for listening. Please uh take care of each other out there. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.